This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Hanan. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Jamal, in clearly the most consequential and significant historical event since the Nakba of 1948, the military wing of Hamas has dealt the Israeli military the most stunning defeat in the history of the apartheid state. Since uh, we're going on air now, there's a lot of things still happening on the ground right now. But what we do know is that close to 800 Israelis were killed, close to uh, 3,000 injured. There are close to seven to 800 Palestinians who are killed in Gaza from relentless bombing from overnight in, since the start until now. Thousands and thousands, close to 3,000 uh, Palestinians are wounded. The Gaza siege has been increased to a rather remarkable uh, level where there is no water, no food, no electricity, nothing going in and out of Gaza to such an extreme that is completely shut down. The hospital healthcare infrastructure is completely shut down, Jamal. And we have hundreds of thousands of Israeli reservists ready to invade Gaza at a moment's notice. The West Bank is shut down and Jerusalem is shut down. This is an amazing historical event unfolding before our eyes. Absolutely. This is a developing story, uh, just so the numbers increase. You mentioned 800, but now the Israeli military has updated its figures to 900. Uh, Israelis uh, have been killed. And of course, by uh, by the hour or by the day, these numbers uh, are going to increase both uh, the casualties on the Israeli side and on the Palestinian side as Israel continues to pound Gaza uh, f- from the air and they, uh, they are ready to to invade. So we've had a great interview with Dr. Hatem Bazian providing context that uh, you don't see on U.S. media uh, and and all the rhetoric that we've been seeing and and this didn't happen in a vacuum just let's watch Dr. Hatem Bazian. On October 7th, apartheid Israel was caught off guard by Hamas's operation dubbed Al-Aqsa Flood. Hamas sent its fighters by air, land and sea to attack Israeli military targets, took control of few Israeli settlements bordering the Gaza Strip, captured dozens of soldiers and civilians. It also showered towns and cities under Israeli control with rockets. Israel declared a state of war and retaliated by pummeling Gaza neighborhoods from the air. Its defense minister, Yoav Gallant, dehumanized Palestinians, calling them beasts or human animals, and ordered a complete siege on the Gaza Strip. The U.S. media and politicians have called Hamas's attack an unprovoked terrorist act while insisting that Israel has the right to defend itself. Joining us to discuss this and more is Dr. Hatem Bazian, co-founder and professor of Islamic law and theology at Zaytuna College, also a lecturer in the departments of Near Eastern and Asian American and Asian Diaspora Studies at the University of California, Berkeley. Welcome again to Arab Talk, Hatem. Well, thank you for having me, Jamal. It's uh, good to see you, even under these difficult circumstances. Let me begin by asking you, are you surprised by what happened? Uh, is Hamas's attack, as the media describe it, describes it, unprovoked? 
Well, the framing of the media is basically taking Israeli talking points. If we're talking, we're thinking about uh, the Western media, they operate as if they are a desk in the Israeli foreign ministry or the spokespersons for uh, the Israeli military. Uh, even structurally, when uh, anything that takes place in Palestine, the Israeli government actually uh, censors the Western media and, and uh, inform them what they can and cannot say. Uh, so I am uh, not surprised that the media once again uh, focusing and speaking Israeli speak and Israeli talk uh, while never missing an opportunity to demonize the Palestinians. In essence, the saying unprovoked, uh, where was the media for not only the past year, but the past 70, 75 years, if not longer, uh, where, uh, settled, where the colonization of Palestine has been unprovoked, and the Palestinians have been ethnically cleansed, pushed out into refugee camps. And uh, just this past year, as... Uh, Ben Gavir was given the hands, the internal security hand. Where was the media if speaking and framing unprovoked uh, as the settlers uh, were unleashed in the West Bank, unleashed on this, on Hawara, on the Dibwan, on uh, the outskirts of Jerusalem into Nablus. Uh, so where this framing unprovoked. Uh, the language that they are using is basically to try to say to, in particular, to the U.S. public uh, to neutralize them in having opinions, expressions about what is occurring, to say that we identify with Israel and support Israel action and blaming the Palestinian anew, uh, which has been a normal pattern in uh, the history of colonization and covering of colonized population. So international law reaffirms that people struggling for independence and liberation from colonial rule have the right to do so, using, and I'm quoting here, all available means, including armed struggle. In other words, Operation Al-Aqsa flood is part of the armed Palestinian struggle provoked by the Israeli occupation and colonialism. Again, this is another question. It's the same thing. The U.S. politicians and media calls Palestinian resistance terrorism. I don't like to repeat what the terminology that is used to describe Palestinian struggle in this way. Uh, however, if we think about international law, if we think about the United Nations Charter, uh, which was actually uh, instrumental in the ending of colonial legacies in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, where colonized populations uh, had to resist their colonizer. It seems that the Western world, which have never missed again an opportunity to support a colonial regime. I remind people uh, that the West, the United States included, uh, Europe, uh, all of it, uh, was in support of, uh, support of apartheid South Africa till the last day. Uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, before his travel to the United States, he was uh, still on record being designated as a terrorist. Uh, why is this designation important to discuss? Because the United States, up to the last moment of apartheid South Africa, 
was engaged in a policy called constructive engagement with apartheid South Africa. And if we think in terms of the United States relative to Israel, is doing exactly the same by demonizing the colonized and celebrating the colonizer, saying that to the colonizer, they have the right to defend themselves against the people that they are colonizing, not only that, but extending to them all types of military support. Uh, just today, there were two uh, planes, uh, the United States military planes that landed in uh, Israel uh, to provide more hardware. And the question is that what more hardware do you need in terms of Israel uh, to actually uh, pummel an occupied population. If anything, I would say that the United States is in violation of international law, not that uh, the United States government have stopped in to adhere to international law, i.e. the invasion of Iraq, Afghanistan, the continued bombing, drone attacks in so many places. Uh, so militarily, they constantly providing the cover. It attempted to uh, push for a resolution in the United Nations Security Council just yesterday, which which failed uh, in this sense, and therefore it gives Israel the diplomatic cover. Uh, and uh, we see the media is almost 24-7. I turned on CNN yesterday almost for uh, six hours just as a way of almost punishing myself intellectually. Uh, you would think that they were actually engaged uh, as Israeli foreign ministry reporter uh, reporting uh, from the front. Uh, so in this sense, the framing is consistent historically. It's only after people get liberate themselves that the United States or the Western all of a sudden comes in holding contracts in their hand to try to reposition themselves as friends of the colonized population, but far in between. Uh, that this dynamics will will occur. So again, we're seeing this consistently from a historical record in terms of the United States, but also uh, in terms of how Israel always tries to lean on uh, the United States and Western Europe in particular uh, to shift the blame and blame the Palestinians for everything that takes place and then demonize them by using this uh, category uh, to project on them. So Gaza has been uh, has also been under a debilitating siege for 16 years, as you've mentioned. According to the World Food Program, a significant portion of the population is food insecure. Imagine 90 percent of the population don't have enough food to eat. And I'll get back to what they're saying now with the siege. But 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 do you feel that this was I mean, talking the attack, Hamas's uh, operation was necessary, albeit a desperate act by Hamas to attack those who impose the siege and break free? Uh, let's just be very clear. The world uh, international system or international order, meaning the Western Europe, the United States, major powers, uh, have completely been silent, if not aiding and abetting Israel uh, in its siege on Gaza for the past 17 years. Uh, the Israeli government, succeeding Israeli government, have placed the Palestinians on a calorie intake and a diet program of in Gaza, allowing uh, almost a drip for people to be alive, but not actually to be flourishing and existing in 
the Gaza Strip. This included, for those who have a longer history, that the United States government, with the Egyptian government, Israeli government, and other surrounding Arab government, uh, participated in uh, deepening the siege on Gaza from the Rafah side and the border with Egypt, uh, that the U.S. Uh, <clears throat> Corps of, of Engineers uh, designed the subterranean wall, steel wall, and flooded the uh, tunnels that Palestinians were bringing in supplies and food in order to actually uh, tighten Israel's grip on the Gaza Strip. Uh, food insecurity is rampant. Uh, stunted growth is rampant. Uh, this is not the first time that Israel actually attacks in Hummel's Gaza. This is the seventh campaign that Israel has carried out, killing hundreds, if not uh, already in the thousands in Gaza. And just this year also in the Gaza, as well as most of the West Bank, all, over 400 uh, Haiti Palestinians have been killed, with 230 uh, of them being children. Uh, yet, uh, we did not hear any condemnation. We did not hear, uh, nor anyone from the media came to pre present and speak of sympathy with the Palestinians in any way. Uh, so, is the uh, Palestinians' response at this point, is it a, uh, a, a last-ditch effort or an attempt to change the political strategic landscape? My analysis is that uh, Israel was hoping uh, in its policy with the United States' help that the Abraham Accords, that its bilateral agreements with the Arab countries, uh, whether it's United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, their, their visits to Oman, their peace uh, agreement with Morocco, Mauritania, uh, that they will actually be able uh, to end the Palestine file by transferring Palestinian uh, 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 file or dynamics into only uh, creating an economic prosperity uh, type of approach. Uh, and therefore, what we call uh, seeing if the Palestinians could be convinced that a golden cage uh, would be what they should be aspiring for. And we saw the rapid uh, movement toward normalization with Israel with the push and cajoling of the United States. Just last week, a, a delegation from the Saudi Arabia government was in the West Bank to try to actually open a, a so-called a consulate or a representative body inside or with the Palestinian Authority. And my reading also, the Palestinian Authority were actually almost dashing uh, to see if they could accept this with uh, limited uh, political benefits to the Palestinians as expanded autonomy uh, uh, possible. So that, that was the context of uh, uh, almost wide open uh, violence against the Palestinians in the West Bank. Uh, a, a, a very rapid engagement with unilateral agreements with Arab governments, which Saudi Arabia was the last uh, in this format, and Saudi Arabia would have jumped into it, then I would say Pakistan and others likewise would join, and then uh, uh, on the larger context to see if only certain economic uh, benefits will be lent to the Palestinians and ending the file of Palestinians having freedom, dignity, right of return, and all that. So that's the context of what is taking place. And I think we need to uh, place the response of the Palestinians in Gaza within that context. 
The uh, formal justification uh, for the Operation Hamas game <coughs> was the desecration by Israelis of Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, Islam's third holiest site, and increased settler violence against Palestinians in Jerusalem and in the West Bank. Now, you gave a very, uh, very good analysis and, and the context, but then people will question and say, well, this needed a lot of preparation you know, the the recent moves, let's say, to engage Saudi Arabia and so forth, and to pull such an operation, this must have been months in, in the planning. So what do you say, how, how do you connect, number one, how do you connect the, the justification that Hamas gave, like, you know, this is a red line attacks on Al-Aqsa and so forth, and then the, the, the diplomatic maneuvers that the United States and Israel have been trying to, you know, circumvent basically Palestinian uh, independence and freedom by, uh, you know, making deals with Arab countries? Well, uh, the uh, maneuvering of Israel with the United States and the Arab world has been taking place for quite some time. It's nothing new. Uh, it's been rabid. You know, the Abraham Accords are already uh, being formulated. This was during the Trump era. Uh, and uh, uh, Biden adopted the Abraham Accords and actually uh, wanted to accelerate it. The relationship or the attempt to a bilateral uh, uh, normalization with Saudi Arabia is also has been a number of months, if not already a number of years in the making uh, in, in this sense. In this sense. Uh, so I... The fact that it took place today does not mean that it's been uh, only instantaneous or an immediate response. Uh, in addition, uh, the Israeli uh, government that is in office today has already been over a year, uh, in actually more than a year, it's almost two years now. And from the day one, Ben Gavir and his uh, a gang of settlers in the West Bank that's been unleashed with the clear mandate uh, that he extracted from Netanyahu, if you recall, uh, that he will be uh, able to create his own security force uh, under his command without actually having to be referenced or uh, be under the supervision of the existing Israeli uh, security infrastructure, which we see uh, what it means unleashing this, uh, this uh, uh, you know, I compare them to the Haganah, to the Stern uh, gangs of the pre-state level that basically were introduced back into uh, the West Bank. And that's with a clear mandate for Ben Gavir is to change and to basically uh, take total control of the West Bank uh, to end once for all the notion of the two-state solution, not that it's been uh, left, what you call, with a viability, but that was being given. So did uh, Hamas uh, plan? Uh, for sure, it uh, definitely looks like a, uh, a planning uh, that is considering all the elements in place, as well as a uh, uh, almost a strategy of distraction uh, that was in place to give the sense that Hamas is not ready and is begging for a few things. We, as history will move forward, which uh, history will move, I think this, as we're already seeing, 
this is possibly the most, uh, the second most decisive failure of Israel uh, infrastructure across the board. This is an intelligence failure, as we see, not only for Israel, but the intelligence failure of the United States, as you uh, possibly know and reported in the past. The United States have an intelligence infrastructure that covers everyone. Uh, even if you're going to eat breakfast in the Middle East, uh, in any setting, the U.S. intelligence, if you are a person of importance, that they know what you're going to order for breakfast and possibly also know where your breakfast is coming from. So it's a total failure of U.S. intelligence. It is a total failure of Israeli intelligence. It's a total failure of Egyptian, Jordanian intelligence, because they actually are almost wired into uh, the regional intelligence services to try to make sure anytime that the Palestinians breathe, we know that we need to know the quality of air they breathe. And as such, so there's a total intelligence failure on in that. Not that I, uh, you know, I'm praising you, but I just want to state the facts of what happened. So this is a total intelligence failure. On the second front, it's a total military failure for uh, the Israeli military. Uh, to be able to uh, penetrate the Gaza siege, the walls, the subterranean walls, the fences that they have, that it's actually almost uh, instantaneous intelligence with uh, firing posts all around the uh, the wall, uh, that you, even if a cat uh, comes close to it, that you'll have an alert. That is also a massive intelligence, which shows the qualitative change uh, that the Palestinians in Gaza have been able to bring, and it's to, to break that siege, not only in one place, which is hard enough from a military uh, process, but to actually see that, that the Israeli military completely was uh, taken by surprise, unprepared, and to be able to actually deploy in some places almost 40 miles in uh, inside the uh, Palestine was something that points to the total failure and total uh, exposure of the Israeli military. For those in the Middle East, for those in the region, Israel is what uh, has cons been constructed, delusionally sometimes, as almost the invincible army that everybody in the region fears the Israeli army. And I know that the Lebanese... Uh, 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 war have exposed that, but people still were believing this invincibility is there. So that's a total failure on the military front. Likewise, again, I people are saying that the Israeli government is responding. Netanyahu's political career is over. Uh, he's just buying times by killing more civilians and bombing apartment buildings in Gaza. He's buying some time to see if he could come out of uh, this uh, circus says, but as far as I could see, his political career is done with. It's just a matter of few times until we'll see the dust will settle to understand that his uh, exit is uh, clo closer right now than any time. So that's how I assess what happened that is not instantaneous, but rather well-planned and executed. Um, American pundits and politicians uh, have been trying to pin the tail on Iran. I mean, uh, on one hand, uh, uh, they're trying to shift attention that, that, or to, to, to expand the war into including Iran and Hezbollah and others. And on, on another hand, they're 
trying to dumb down the Palestinians, like the Palestinians are unable to pull something like this on their own without the help of Iran. What's the role in, of Iran in all of this? Well, uh, Iran have expressed and continue to provide support, logistical support for the Palestinians. That's not anyone who has uh, observed and followed the regional configuration as far as Iran with the Palestinians, and they had a long standing. But this uh, boogeyman of Iran is used, in my view, as a distraction obfuscation to say that the Palestinians do not have their own independent political agents. Palestinians have been struggling for their political rights, their land rights, their uh, end of the, uh, the colonization for quite some time. The Iran is used as a boogeyman, but also as a way to try to rally uh, particular uh, some Arab governments uh, to line up behind Israel and the United States. So it's the Iran boogeyman. Uh, in a similar way, before it was the Saddam Hussein boogeyman. Before that, it was the Gaddafi boogeyman. So every time this framing is done, it's basically to deny the Palestinians the right or the positionality that they have their political consciousness formed and they have their political analysis. In this sense, Palestinians have historically have uh, received support from across the world, including Iran, including other, which is normal. How come we don't flip the script in saying that Israel is basically an implant of Western powers? It could not last 48 hours without calling on all the uh, its sponsors, colonial, historical colonial sponsor and contemporary colonial sponsor, to bring more might and power to actually unleash uh, this uh, massive uh, bombardment and killing of Palestinian civilians day in and day out, and actually question that. So denying Palestinian political agency is part of the math. In essence, as if we're just like moving pieces uh, in a uh, political uh, chess that is only governed by uh, this type of obfuscation and to, in essence, to indicate that the real war is a war with Iran, which actually some of the Arab governments, if you actually followed the last Arab uh, summits, the landscape says that the primary threat in the region is Iran, and it's no longer Israel. Israel is basically an ally. That's why in most of the region, Israel is being is sitting in as the uh, what you call the beautiful settler colonial project that is going to protect the Arab world from the Iranian aggression. We need to actually understand this dynamic. It's divide and rule uh, that has functioned for quite some time, but Palestinians and others need to be wise and not buy into this obfuscation, while also critiquing Iran in its dynamics. So again, this is not a defense of Iran, but in essence, what is the project that is being done to rally public sentiments in the Arab world and so on against Iran and basically make Israel the strategic ally in the region in this confrontation and expand the war, not to support the Palestinians, but actually to deny the Palestinians their right for political agency and consciousness at this point at this moment. There is a buzz on social media. It's actually ongoing. I'm surprised from unre unreliable sources that Palestinian fighters were killing children, putting them in cages and raping women. This was uh, regurgitated by U.S. politicians such as presidential uh, candidate Nikki Haley. 
videos have surfaced uh, showing the the opposite. Uh, I've have seen videos of fighters uh, saying that uh, we're following the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, and uh, we can we're not going to kill children and non-combatants and the elderly and so forth. Why is it so easy to spread uh, hate against uh, Palestinians, Arabs, and, and Muslims in particular in this country? Uh, well, this is the long, long, long history of uh, colonial, orientalist, Islamophobic, anti-global South racist discourse. So nothing in this, nothing is uh, unique uh, in terms of how they frame it, not that it, what they're demonizing is so if you read uh, again my talk yesterday it's everything referred to france fanon and uh the framing of the wretched of the earth and how the demonization is, is structured again the colonized people are always dehumanized their standing or their positionality is in their subhumans and today again as you referred uh, the israeli defense minister called the palestinians animals Right? This is at a time where Palestinians have been facing uh, the most dehumanizing and the most atrocious type of violence, vicious violence directed at Palestinians. Uh, disrespect for Palestinian. Palestinian children are not children. They're just legitimate target. Uh, you have these T-shirts that Israeli military personnel, IDF, that wears, that has a Palestinian pregnant mother, which is, with a statement above it in Hebrew, one bullet uh, two kills, right? So in terms of this notion of uh, demonizing the Palestinians, in essence, you have to demonize a people in order to legitimize, the, legitimize their killing. And the Western media is basically with the politicians who never miss an opportunity to, again, to support uh, this type of violence against uh, not only Palestinians, but Arabs, Muslims, global south, black people and so on. So that's what is occurring. In essence, they are so, what you call, uh, uh, violent, they're beyond the pale of human, therefore if we kill them, we're not killing human beings. So they're preparing the ground because you need to prepare the public opinion and that's what uh, um, uh, Haley and others and the media is basically, if you would just watch CNN and the others, just like 24 seven, the BBC, it is preparing the ground to rationalize every response and every act that Israel undertake to the Palestinians. Uh, so what we need is to be, uh, to contextualize what's occurring. No human beings actually uh, uh, favors or actually expresses any type of delight or uh, happiness for the death of anyone in any type of circumstances, Palestinians and otherwise. But when we are speaking about the demonization strategy, it's intended specifically to rationalize the killing of Palestinians as posited to being subhuman. And I think this is this narrative is being done deliberately. And the other strategy that is also being deployed now, now many of the Israelis are no longer Israelis. They're American citizens, French citizen, Canadian citizen, German citizen. And actually, and on the one hand, uh, Thank you for Israel that you actually are saying that you have people that are all settlers from somewhere else, 
Uh, well, it's not just settlers. Uh, it's is... not just settlers. That was the the big question. Actually, I posed. Uh, there was a, a press conference which I commented on uh, to Secretary yeah. Blinken, saying that they have unconfirmed numbers of Americans both held as America, uh, yeah. hostages and or killed, but did not specify that they were uh, a lot of them. Either, either, well, aside from dual citizens that they have been serving in the Israeli military or are on on reserves, and which is a a big question for the administration. Well, I posed that question actually, I put yesterday on Twitter what is the international law? uh, 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 What does international law say about a citizen of country A, meaning the United States, France? England and so on, being a uh, citizen of another country and being a member of a military that is taken as a political prisoner in a conflict. What does international is the country a citizenship and protection, right? Meaning U.S. citizenship, Canadian and so on, is that takes precedent over the second citizenship that is acting as an as a participant in a military conflict that is uh, ongoing and what takes present. I think international law in here, we have to one answer that. And I know when Arabs, Muslims actually are often framed as uh, participating in any conflict, they immediately are blamed and they're taken to death. But in here you have almost the totality, if not uh, 90% or more of the Israeli populations and citizens, including the 48 and 67, are basically coming from somewhere else. The last batch was from Russia and Ukraine that just came back, came into Israel, and they serve in the Israeli military. That raises the question in here that the United States is attempting to shift the discussion from an Israeli-Palestinian conflict to say that now Americans are involved, thus we need to unleash America's power to protect our citizens. Last, on this particular question, where was U.S. power in protecting Shireen Abu Akleh? Where was U.S. power when actually Palestinians with American citizenship were being attacked in Hawara just a few months back? And calling the U.S. actually did not even issue a statement to protect or complain, and they all completely suppressed the uh, uh, investigation on the uh, targeted assassination of Shireen Abu Akleh and others. So it seems that Palestinians, right, who have American citizenship, their, their citizens on probation, or their citizens with one leg missing in relations to their standing. So that's, again, we're seeing hypocrisy, walking and speak, walking in two feet and speaking from almost all sides of its mouth when it comes to Palestinians. Going back to the statement by Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant, and I'm quoting here, and he said, uh, I have ordered a complete siege on the Gaza Strip. There will be no electricity, <laughs> no food, no fuel. Everything is closed. We are fighting human animals, and we act accordingly. This is collective punishment on more than 2.2 million people living in Gaza. Where does this fall under international law and and? you know, uh, advocates for human rights and so on. I, I don't hear any anyone criticizing his statement. Yeah, let's let just be very 
clear and uh, speak to it with almost unrestrained uh, context in here. Human rights were written only to speak of human rights of the global north. At the time that uh, human rights, international human rights, uh, universal declaration of human rights, it was in the context of post-World War II. And at the time of those participants that were drafting the universal declaration of human rights, much of the global south were still a colonial possession. Africa was mostly colonial possession, part of the uh, what we call today the Arab world, I don't like the framing Middle East. Part of the Arab world was a colonial possession. Uh, areas of Indochina's colonial possessions, the United States, France, and so on, were engaged in the Philippines, in uh, Indonesia, uh, with the Dutch, uh, Vietnam, and so on. So human rights, we tend, you still have to be human in order to you, for you to preserve human rights, which is interesting because he's basically saying that you are not human. That is not, that's been consistent, right? In relations to the global South not being actually deemed to be human, to enter into the category of having human rights. So that's on the one part. The second is that so-called international community is the primary violator of human rights. The United States, uh, uh, if you think uh, Britain, France, uh, even if we think about China in terms of Uyghur, Russia, and so on, so the primary violators of the universal declaration of Roma is the so-called uh, international community. The international community, again, gives a hierarchy of races. You are a, a superior race and inferior race, and Palestinians, again, are racialized into, that superior, uh, into this dehumanized uh, inferior race. So the statements about uh, besieging Gaza has been besieged for the past 17 years. Uh, food intake is uh, regulated in the past 17 years. The fact that Israel is admitting that it controls the oil and gas supplies to the only electric station in Gaza is, is basically admitting that it's engaging in collective punishment. But collective punishment uh, is the responsibility of the international community, the enforceability of the Four Geneva Convention. The United States is a contracting party. France is a contracting party. England. All of the, also the surrounding countries, Egypt is a contracting party, Jordan is a contracting party to the Fort Geneva Convention, but it is not being enforced or brought because we don't belong to the category of human overall in terms of epistemologically, and that is what is taking place. So will the Israelis escalate it? For sure. Are they hoping to, uh, as they say, to flatten Gaza and make it into a parking lot? That's their what you call their dream. But let me say, this, whatever you are actually undertaking, is not going to end the fundamental question that Palestinians are still seeing and holding the keys to their homes. They're seeing and witnessing their land, and they will return to their homes and land. If it's not today, it's tomorrow, the day after. And no type of agreement, no type of agreement with uh, any of the Arab countries, no type of agreement with uh, distant countries, no type of cover from the Western power, no type of cover from the United States will end this uh, uh, demand of the Palestinians. And if anything, we tell the Israelis, uh, those who possibly would listen, that there is only one address that you need to knock the door on. The address is Palestine. 
It's not Riyadh. It's not the Pakistan. It's not Mauritania. It's not even the White House, because at the end of the day, the White House is going to look for its own interests. Right? Therefore, you need to begin to examine right, the address that you need to actually look for rather than continue to ignore. Uh, so that's for me what uh, would be my response about both the collective punishment. Again, we've been collectively punished for the past 75 years. And this is just another element relative to Gaza. You talk about colonization and uh, it's kind of, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say funny, but it's, uh, it's very clear how the reaction that uh, we've been seeing. You have uh, almost every single country in Europe, um, um, the UK, Germany, etc., posting the Israeli flag uh, in the United States, the Empire State Building, all in solidarity with Israel. And then the colonized or former colonized countries such as Yemen you had over a million people demonstrating in the streets uh, in, in, in Morocco, which uh, has a, an agreement with Israel, the populations out in the streets, Algeria. Egypt, uh, sure. Jordan, and, and, and so forth. And then uh, you try to compare that, this with uh, Ukraine, <clears throat> the, uh, how the West support, is supporting Ukraine and, uh, and, and you know, praising Ukrainian... solidarity with Israel. Yeah, and then, yeah, Zelensky, of course, expressed solidarity. He actually posted a long statement on Twitter. But... What do you say about this? I mean, how do you compare these emotions and these policies uh, when it comes to, again, Ukrainian people and then Palestinian people? Well, let's just be the, the basic fact is that the West, the United States and Zionism itself is a byproduct of Western colonialism and the project itself, meaning uh, transferring Palestine into a Zionist uh, state, uh, is a project that is celebrated in the West as an achievement. So for them, Israel is their desired, uh, favorite, successful baby project uh, that has been fostered and created. Palestine is the last settler colony to be commissioned in the 20th century. But this also connects to uh, Christian Zionism, even though that the Western world has, <clears throat> uh, uh, in essence, passed uh, through post-Christianity uh, as an organized religion, they have not passed to post-Christianity epistemologically, meaning the framing of knowing, of enacting, of being in the world is framed around still Christian epistemology, and in essence, Israel is still the stepping stone toward what they consider to be the second coming. And as such, Israel being one, a political project of the West, first and foremost, emerging out of deep anti-Semitism in England, France, and, uh, and even the United States, and the second being connected to Christian uh, millenarianism and end-of-the-world scenario, and third, their strategic uh, connections to Israel being an advanced uh, military staging uh, ground and an advanced intelligence ground. So all this brings this the Western uh, world constantly to defend its baby. Israel, its favorite baby, uh, favorite creation, and its success 
especially post-World War II. So I am not surprised uh, in this. Remind you that the Western world was participating in the invasion of Afghanistan. The Western world participated in the multiple invasions of Iraq. The Western world is aiding and abetting the war against Yemen. It's aiding and abetting the destruction of Libya. So, so let's not delude ourselves that when we're speaking about the Western countries, we're speaking with the highest moral ethical standing that they actually believe. If they believe half of what they say about moral ethical standing, about international law, about the human rights, they just believe half of it, maybe we could have a conversation. But I have no delusion that they don't even believe half of what they say, let alone actually adhering even toward their own people. Just I remind people, the United States used Agent Orange against its own soldiers. That's why those who came back from Vietnam came back with all kinds of diseases, uh, cancers as a result of Agent Orange being dropped in the forest against them. The United States actually uses depleted uranium with their own troops in Iraq that they came back with what we call the uh, Gulf War Syndrome. Uh, so this idea that the West represents morality and ethics and standing for international law, uh, I think if we were in a Comedy Central skit, it might fit. But I don't have any delusion that this is the standard. So that's why you would see all these uh, posts and calling on other people to actually uh, adhere to. The Ukraine uh, sympathies, again, we saw the racial discourse immediately after the war. They called the Ukrainian as the, uh, you know, the perfect refugees, ideal refugees. They're blue eyes, blonde hair like us. They were welcome. Again, I don't ha have any, an, um, uh, what you call, uh, any type of uh, uh, animus toward any refugee or immigrant. I think any refugee and immigrant needs to be uh, accorded the safety and the protection, but that war is a favorite war for NATO and the United States, and the Palestinians happen to be on the wrong side of a favorite baby for the United States and Western Europe and NATO, and that's what we're seeing in that dynamic. Dr. Hatem Bazian, uh, thank you again for coming on Arab Talk. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jamal, and we'll continue to watch what unfolding events bring us in the next few days. That's the voice in the face of Dr. Hatem Bazian. He's the co-founder and professor of Islamic law and theology at the Zaytuna College and a lecturer in the departments of Near Eastern and Asian American and Asian Diasporic Studies at the University of California, Berkeley. It's a very cogent analysis. And I think that's the thing that's really missing right now, obviously, from the mainstream portrayals of what's happening in Palestine right now, Jamal, is the lack of the context. People seem surprised all of a sudden that this is happening, totally ignoring 75 years of history in the context of how this uh, unfolded. Well, the buzzwords that uh, US officials and media pundits have been using is unprovoked. Is occupation unprovoked? Do you conduct a siege on a country for 17 years? Is that unprovoked? You kill children, you kill women, you send your crazy Kahani settlers in, 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 in who, who, who claim and who want to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque is unprovoked. You set Al-Hawara on fire, a Palestinian uh, village on fire. Is that unprovoked, yes? Well, uh, I, 
The other context, Jamal, is that, you know, since 2008 in the Gaza Strip, itself, close to 7,000 Palestinian men, women, and children have been killed or slaughtered at the hands of the Israeli uh, military. And this goes to the heart of the statement that this is somehow unprovoked, that somehow the Israelis and the Western media are surprised that the Palestinian uh, military wing of Hamas would somehow resist this brutal occupation that's been going on for decades and decades and decades, and specifically in the Gaza Strip, Jamal, that as as you've noted, and as you know, Hatem noted, and as you know, we've been talking about for years, the brutal conditions of the occupation in Gaza are uh, unbearable and have been unbearable for decades and decades. And so the West seems to have amnesia about apartheid, about occupation, and the brutality of the living conditions for Palestinians in Gaza, West Bank, and in Jerusalem. So I, for one, am surprised at the surprise of the Western media. Yeah, and then and then the other thing is there is no context. You know, they, they go unprovoked. They don't talk about what led to this. At the same time, uh, I think everybody is worried, including the United States, and that's why it moved its uh, fleet close to the Gaza coast. And 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 supposedly now two planes uh, have landed in Israel with uh, new ammunition, uh, you know, to the Israeli military. Is the, the, you know there is that 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 fact that Palestinians cannot resist or they are not allowed uh, to, uh, you know, self-determination and only is Israel can defend itself. I mean, that's the, the thing we keep hearing. Israel has the right to de defend itself and Palestinians don't have the right to de defend themselves. Ukrainians have the right to defend themselves, but Palestinians don't have the right to de defend themselves. And then the latest uh, description by presidential candidates like such as uh, Nikki Haley egging, right. egging Netanyahu to flatten Gaza to turn it into a parking lot and dehumanizing Palestinians. Uh, have you seen something like this when we talk about other countries, when we talk about Ukraine, even when we talk about Russia? Not at all, Jamal. And I, I think I want to just say a few things about that, that the coverage on the mainstream media, whether it be NBC, CBS, ABC, or CNN, has been abysmal. And, and what you're seeing on CNN, especially at the hands of people like Wolf Blitzer and their and their regular anchors is nothing but being propagandists for the Israeli uh, military right now. I mean, you have no voices from Palestine from Palestine, no Palestinian voices, few. no contextual analysis. Yeah, very few, but but in comparison, Jamal, they're basically giving a mouthpiece to Israeli officials and they're making these outrageous statements that are that are just propaganda statements for the Israeli military, seemingly to give it cover for what we're all very concerned about is going to be a invasion, a ground invasion of uh, of Gaza, which will have, and I'll just say it, Jamal, will have cataclysmic consequences, not only for for Palestinians in Gaza, but for the plus hundred uh, uh, hostages that were taken by the uh, military arm of Hamas during this operation. So I think that the Israelis 
and the Israeli military are going to make the same mistake that the Americans did, you know, and kind of overplaying their military hand, and it's going to have unintended consequences that will be dire for the Israeli uh, military and for the and for the apartheid state. They're going to miscalculate this, I'm sure. Well, they've already miscalculated this because they got caught off guard. Uh, they assumed that, that they are uh, undefeatable. And I think everything that you're seeing is a knee-jerk reaction by, right. by a humiliated leadership, by a humiliated Netanyahu, by a humiliated, defeated. By humiliated uh, his minister of defense who said today, who said just actually not few just a couple of hours ago that his uh, that he's going to cut off water electricity food on gaza a complete siege because uh, and we're going to and I'm paraphrasing here uh, hit these uh, beasts he described the people of gaza as uh, as human animals beasts and this is right. where the dehumanization starts which means now that they've taken that decision, and and if right. it goes into uh, you know sending troops into Gaza because everything so far has been happening from the air, which everybody knows Israel has superiority. I mean, a Hamas rocket does not flatten a ten-story building with one rocket not or one bomb. They don't have F-16s. They don't have helicopters. Yet they were able to infiltrate more than 20 kilometers into Gaza to take over several, several, several settlements and military bases, including Israel's Southern Command and arrest and capture uh, leaders, high-ranking colonels and so forth, and take them back into Gaza. So what I'm seeing here, I mean, Israel has, you know, taken all kind of action uh, against Gaza, they, uh, including 51-year war on Gaza that they've de declared in the past. And this is, I think, the seventh attack or seventh or eighth attack on Gaza. What more can they do? They want to really turn Gaza into rubble. They've turned it before into, into rubble. And that's why I'm saying they are humiliated and they're trying to save face because they have been receiving billions and billions and billions of dollars from the United States, and they were defeated, badly defeated by 500 Hamas fighters on gliders and motorcycles. Well, that's a, exactly right, Jamal. And I think to put that in the context of the apartheid state, this is singularly the most significant military and psychological defeat of the Israeli military, of Israeli society, of the apartheid state since 1948. This goes far beyond the Yom Kippur War of 1973, in which you had Syria and Egypt invade, you know, invade at the time. But as you said, we're talking about 500 um, military combatants from the Hamas military wing, basically defeating, causing this major military defeat and I think equally a major psychological defeat for the Israeli military. This is going to have huge consequences because, you know, Jamal, not a single Israeli is going to be left feeling safe anymore. Just like Palestinians have been living in this sense of insecurity for decades and decades and decades. 
I think the Israelis are going to severely miscalculate. If they actually think that Hamas and their military wing are not prepared for a, a ground invasion, they're, they're really going to be in for a big surprise. Well, the thing is, this is going to set the whole region on fire. Uh, if, uh, you know, they go in uh, by land and people start seeing these images of children and buildings being toppled on top of them, like they've done before so many times, I don't think uh, other fronts won't be open on Israel, including the population, the Palestinian population in the West Bank, who have been suffering since, uh, I mean, for years, but especially since Ben Gavir came into power and Smotrich came into right. power. And they've been having seeing their homes torched and uh, their children arrested and beaten and killed and so forth. That if Israel, because now they, they call 300,000 uh, reservists, if let's say uh, Hezbollah decides to open a front uh, and, and then other regional powers uh, get included. And that's why I'm seeing why I'm seeing actually the US moving its fleet into the uh, coasts of, uh, of, of Gaza. Uh, and it's very scary because, as I was speaking with Dr. Hatim Bazian, they're trying now to kind of find a justification by uh, Secretary Blinken saying that there are American who Americans who died and and hostages being taken without explaining that those Americans serve in the Israeli army. They're dual sure. citizens. Yeah. What business do they have uh, being in military bases wearing a foreign Ooh. country's uniform? But they're changing that to see we want to like I'm thinking like uh, rescue our uh, our hostages and so forth. And this way would be a pretext for the United States to get engaged with something that the United States didn't do for Ukraine because they said we're not we're going to send them all the weapons they want, but we're not going to send troops on the ground. But Jamal, what about the American citizens, Palestinian American citizens that were killed and taken and 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 kind of put in these horrible situations. I didn't see Anthony Blinken do anything about that. But I guess there's some American citizens worth fighting for and worth putting the American flag at half mass and others where it's okay. Yes, and uh and and you know this is again early developments as I think this is going to be a long one. Uh, the, uh, Israel tried yesterday uh, through the United States to pass a resolution to give it a, a green light from the United Nations, and it failed. It's not going to happen. And of and course. now uh, they're just going on their own with the support of the United States, with the support of the West, dehumanizing Palestinians, saying that they should just turn Gaza into a parking lot, and they think this problem is going to disappear. They've been like fighting with Hamas for decades now. They've been trying to oppress Palestinians. They turned the country into an apartheid regime, thinking that Palestinians are going to just pack their bags like in 1948, like 50% of them, and leave the country and force them out of the country. Not this gonna is not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen, Jamal. Yeah. And this is, this the you know, again, just to, just to reiterate, I'm surprised that the Israelis are surprised. I mean, how long should an oppressed people take this form of occupation and oppression and dehumanizing? And, um, you know, the uh, the Israeli military is going to find itself in a very rude awakening if they choose to invade Gaza. Trust me on that one. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. 
Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com to download the latest shows and we'll speak to you next week. See you next week.